unanimously cast 16 votes for Joseph R. Biden. That is the sound of Michigan's electors erupting in cheers after casting all 16 of their electoral college votes for president-elect Joe Biden yesterday. Good day, everyone. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET, and I'm Stephen Henderson. I'm really glad that you've joined us. Despite threats of violence and a weeks-long sustained effort by President Trump and many other Republicans to undermine the 2020 election results, electors were able to cast their votes without incident yesterday in the state Senate chamber. But it came after more dangerous rhetoric, including from a Republican State House member who casually suggested he might participate in violent protests in an attempt to block the vote. Representative Gary Eisen quickly lost his committee assignments for the suggestions before he apologized and said he wouldn't participate in any rally. It was just one of a number of wrinkles that unfolded during the day as electors met, not just here in Michigan and in Lansing, but all across the country to cast their votes in the presidential election. Here to talk about all of the recent news out of Lansing is WKAR reporter Abigail Sensky. Abigail, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks so much for having me, Stephen. Yes. So despite the threats of violence, you actually did go to the state Senate chamber yesterday to see the electors cast their votes in person. Talk about that moment and what the scene was like as they cast their votes for President-elect Biden. Yeah, I was one of a few members of the press that were actually allowed inside. Um, Like you said, the building was closed yesterday. Um, So there weren't, you know, normally there would be maybe more people and lawmakers inside, but that didn't happen. The energy inside of the Senate chamber where the actual vote happened was definitely a nervous energy. There was a big state police presence um, in the Capitol building yesterday morning because of those threats that had led up to when the electors actually met at 2 p.m. They actually received police escorts inside the building Mm. and back to their cars after the vote. Um, But as far as the number of protesters who materialized, it was only a handful of people. And, you know, like you played at the very beginning there, we did hear those cheers. So it was definitely more solemn than I think it ordinarily would have been um, and a little more anxious as well. But it was still ultimately a celebration for the electors who participated. You say there were fewer protesters than anticipated. I saw some folks on Twitter talking about there being, in some cases, more members of the media covering the protests than there were actual protesters. Was it really that small? Yeah, it was just a handful of people when I say a handful. And absolutely, there were, you know, more members of the media at certain points outside. There was a point when a group of Republicans, including State Representative Matt Maddock and his wife, Michonne Maddock, who co-founded Michigan Trump Republicans, tried to enter the side of the building and present their own alternate slate of electors. But that didn't materialize into, you know, Representative Eisen's forecast of potential violence or 
a lot of people protesting. So, so I want to ask you about this idea of the alternate slate of electors. That's something that we heard about a little bit in Lansing yesterday. But uh, Stephen Miller, who is an aide to the president, was also on national television yesterday talking about there being an alternate slate of electors that would be chosen in each state and that they would also be presented to Congress uh, for for approval. What do we know about this this process? And is that is that a real threat? Is that really happening? Or is that just something that people are, are kind of talking about? You know, I think it's kind of seeped into the ether in a very 2020 way. It, it's the same as every step of the process where doubt has been sown, you know, through since November 3rd. Republicans from the Trump administration and, you know, down through the rank and file have continued to kind of move the goalpost on what is the their last Hail Mary plan for the president to overturn these results or void the results and stay in power. And from legal experts that we've talked to, including people who know Michigan election law very well, this is not something that can be done, you know, for the first reason, because the people whose names have been certified were the people who the state party voted in at their conventions this summer. And our state law actually says that our 16 electors have to go to the person for the office of president and vice president who received the greatest votes. And in Michigan, we know that's Joe Biden. He won this election by 154,188 votes. So there's not wiggle room there. And while this is something that's being done across the country, Georgia Republicans also tried to slate an alternate seat, an alternate slate of electors. This is not something that really will be able to work, according to legal experts that I've talked to. Mm. I'm talking with Abigail Sensky. She's a reporter with WKAR Public Radio in Lansing. We're talking about the news from Lansing yesterday as Michigan's electors gathered in the state Senate chamber to cast their votes in the presidential election. They cast all 16 of Michigan's electoral votes for President-elect Joe Biden, who got the majority of the votes here in the November election. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Uh, Call and reflect on where we are when it comes to our democracy and your own level of trust in all of our institutions after this very long month of after the election when so many attempts were made to change the voting outcome, to disqualify ballots, to make sure that Donald Trump ended up with the most votes out of states like Michigan uh, rather than Joe Biden. Do you feel better about the health of our democracy now that the Electoral College has actually voted and made the election results final? Or are you feeling doubtful about where the country is still headed, given all of the opposition that still exists? And even yesterday, we saw some people talking about trying to overturn those results, still trying to manage to produce a different outcome. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter 
give us a, a comment there, and we'll try to work you into the conversation uh, that way. Uh, also, give us a call and let us know if you're just relieved uh, that we've finally reached this inflection point in the election process. Uh, I think a lot of people were very nervous about whether we would get to the day that electors cast their votes and and actually see that happen the way it normally does. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Uh, Abigail, I, I want to ask you about Representative Gary Eisen, a state rep from, from St. Clair, uh, who said some things on the radio yesterday that got him into trouble with uh, the leadership in the House of Representatives. So what happened and what do you, why do you think nothing really came of all of this? I mean, again, he was talking about things that he said were going to happen, and we just didn't see them materialize. Yeah, basically, he had this interview with a local radio station, WPHM, and when the host asking the questions asked, you know, can you assure that this is going to be a peaceful day in Lansing and no one is going to get hurt? He responded no in kind of a very ominous way. And there was a long period of silence. And, you know, during that interview, which uh, was about, you know, maybe 11 minutes, he also brought up a bomb threat from Wisconsin, which, you know, up to that point, we had not heard from Michigan State Police or uh, a spokeswoman for Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirky, why the House and Senate buildings were also closed that day. We just knew that those actions were being taken. So the comments came off as, you know, even more ominous, given we had all this attention on the threats going into the meeting. And he ended up not even coming to the Capitol with the group that was trying to seat that alternate slate of electors. And he ultimately said he regret, regretted the confusion over his comments hmm. and said that he wanted to assure that everyone who was supporting the alternate slate of electors intended to do so peacefully and legally. But again, he didn't even end up coming at the end of the day after he was stripped of his committee assignments. Um, by House Speaker Lee Chatfield for making a threatening statement. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phone. So let's go to Mary in West Bloomfield. Mary, welcome to the show. Hi there. Um, Hi. So I just brought up the fact that as a nonpartisan person, um, I've been quite horrified by the behavior of Republicans during this uh, debacle following the election. I think rule of law is paramount in this country, and I think people of conscience have to call the party to account. It can't just be people of conscience like, it can't just be Ben Sass and Mitt Romney saying that this is ridiculous. Uh, Mary, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think Republicans have a lot of cleaning to do in their own house after this election and the way that so many of Members of the party and, and official members of the party, elected members of the party, have have behaved. Uh, I, I don't know that we'll see that. I think that the, the dynamic inside the party is is pretty tricky right now, given the presence of Donald Trump in the White House until January 20th of next year, of course. But even after that, I worry about the influence that he has, the bullying that he's able to do of people who consider themselves Republicans. But but I, I like you, hope that uh, that they can straighten this out and make it make it uh, clear 
that some of the things that went on, some of the rhetoric and some of the actions that were taken are just not not appropriate. Um, I think country over party. Yeah. It, it, this is just undisputable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's it's what it's, that's the way we expect both sides to behave. And we have not seen enough of that on the Republican side. I absolutely uh, appreciate your call and your thoughts on that. Let's go to Eric in Brownstown Township. Eric, what's on your mind? Hi, Stephen. Love your show. Uh, I just want to make a quick comment about Electoral College, and uh, I think we need to uh, do away with the Electoral College. We shouldn't have to wait uh, this long after casting our ballots. I mean, even going back to high school voting on class president and so on, <laughs> Little League football for team captains, uh, it's majority uh wins the <laughs> right the person with the most votes can't. just just wins and the I, election. I just think it's ridiculous to wait this long to uh to still wait on the electoral college hmm. uh, uh to basically tell us who we who, who wins an election uh you know five weeks after we already cast our ballots we knew uh the the ballot count yes I, I also, uh, you know, strongly uh, sympathize with your position there, uh, Eric. I think, I think there are lots of reasons to be questioning the effectiveness and and the effect of the electoral college on on our elections. Uh, it, it's something that was invented a very long time ago in a country that was very different than the one we live in now. The effects today were nothing like what the people who designed it believed they were creating uh, 240 some years ago. And so it makes total sense to sit down and think through uh, an alternative. Uh, again, there are some states that are that are doing that in small ways, uh, making sure, for instance, that their electors all go to the person who gets the majority of the votes. Uh, uh, but but a, a wider discussion of that, I think, is is coming at some point. I just don't know. I don't know when 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 we'll get there. Uh, Eric, I really appreciate the call and your comments. Uh, let's go to another Eric. Eric in Plymouth. Welcome to the show. Hi, Stephen. Thanks Hi. for having me again. Mm-hmm. So what my concern is what we've been seeing from the Republican Party, and I'm somebody who has voted Republican in the past, is that they're slowly chipping away at democracy. It started to me when they refused to hear. Um, you know, um, Merrick, they, they refused to give Merrick Garland a hearing when he was nominated by President Obama to sit on the Supreme Court. And now this. And what I'm afraid of is that what we're seeing is Republicans float a test balloon to see how their supporters are going to react to this. And it seems like it was reacted to very fondly. Um, you know, I heard the previous caller say that um, it's got to be more than Ben Sass and other, you know, former never Trump Republicans. But I think that the Republican voters have to stand up and say, no, we're a democracy. Mm-hmm. You know, every vote counts, but they're not doing that. And my concern is that this is going to happen again by somebody more competent and we might see a different result. Uh, Eric, I think those are great insights into into kind of where we are right now and and what we face as we go into another administration, the, the administration of Joe Biden, and see how much he is going to be able to do to, number one, uh, get Republicans to even work with him uh, while he's president. That didn't work very well for Barack Obama, the previous Democratic president. But also to, to, to I think, stoke this conversation about how broken 
things are in Washington. And Merrick Garland is a really wonderful example of that. He did not even get a hearing in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee, let alone a vote. They said it was because it was too close to a presidential election. It was almost a full year before the 2016 election. Uh, But of course, they turned around and confirmed Amy Coney Barrett with just weeks before the 2020 election left. And so that kind of duplicity is, as you point out, uh, it, it erodes confidence in the system. It seems as though uh, it's rigged on a partisan basis, and, and that makes people really nervous about how fair things are, how much, they, how much faith they can put in the outcomes. Uh, and, and we've got we've to figure out a way to, to get back to a space where that is not normal behavior for uh, one of the major political parties uh, in this country. Uh, Eric, I really appreciate the call and the comments. Uh, Abigail Sensky, before I let you go, I want to talk just a little about the next few weeks in Lansing. Uh, this is the last week of the legislature's lame duck session. So far, by my count, they've gotten almost nothing done. Uh, <laughs> there were there were some big expectations about, about them getting some COVID-related uh, legislation passed. Uh, but But give me a sense of what you think is possible in the little bit of time they have left before before they go on Christmas break. Right. Like you were saying, a lot of legislation is in kind of like layup mode right now because the House was out of session last week because of a COVID case. Um, there wasn't the ability of both chambers to pass legislation back and forth um, to get it on its way to the governor's desk. So, you know, I think we can anticipate to see some form of COVID relief, whether that's the, um, you know, full ask that the governor wanted, uh, $100 million, and also, you know, relief for unemployment-related COVID assistance. Um, there should also be criminal justice reform legislation that we expect to be passed, and a handful of other things that would do things like allow cities that collect income tax um, to collect income tax from workers who are no longer coming to that city to work. Mm. They're working from home. So a, a few of those things, but compared to the lame duck of 2018, this has been far less remarkable. And, and part of that is because um, we don't have a lame duck governor as well. So less right. things are trying to be forced through. Yeah. Okay. Abigail Sensky, reporter with WKAR in Lansing. Great to have you here with us for this conversation. Thank you very much for joining. Thanks so much, Stephen. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the challenges ahead for vaccine distribution and the ways my next guest says the federal government has botched the preparations for this moment. You're not going to want to miss this conversation. Stay with us for more Detroit Today. Mm -hmm.